Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Hi, it's Caroline Stephen, financial journalist. With the federal election just around the corner next month and talk about Bill Shorten's plans to make changes to negative gearing, we take a look at the Brisbane property market in this episode of Talking Trading. Our guest today is Brett Warren, a buyer's agent at Metropole Property Solutions in Brisbane. And Brett gives us the lowdown on what's been happening in the Sunshine State over the past 10 years and what its future looks like in the medium to long term. We talk infrastructure, median house and unit prices, and what's due for the next property cycle. Chris Tate talks about when the first helmet was introduced into cricket and how that reflects on male traders. And Louise Bedford talks about unreasonable friends and the power of having people who prod you into your potential. Let's hear her now in Mind Power. On the weekend, I caught up with the mentoree and he was explaining how his initial friendship group from school, they weren't so happy that he had become a trader. And I think it brings out so many different emotions here. I feel that I've had to move away from my friendship group from school in a large degree. There are a few that I've retained, but not the majority. Just because they grew up with you doesn't mean they want you to grow. And you have to be so careful because if you value loyalty above your own growth and your own progression in life, then loyalty has become your slavery. You need to stop being loyal to the wrong people. The type of people that are holding you back, that are not encouraging you to pursue a new goal, the type of people who never question Could you be better? And is there a different way of doing this? And is there another more effective way of managing your life? Because those type of people, those take it on face value, the complacent people, the lazy people, the people sitting on the couch with a beer, they are not the ones who are going to inject that ability to strive into your life. They're not going to motivate you, to inspire you, to drive you to action. You need some unreasonable friends, some people who will make you question, who will get you to be uncomfortable, who will niggle and prod and poke you so that you can make your own conclusions and realize with an introverted, introspective way of looking at your own life that you are not where you want to be because that is what creates drive. That is what creates motivation. And if the people around you don't want you to win, 
you don't have a circle. You have a cage, a cage that is holding you back. I'm not saying you have to drop everybody. I think you need to form a bubble around yourself for the people that you can't avoid, like for example, a couple of my family members, I have to associate with them. But I use a bubble to make sure that their words don't impact me. I need to separate myself off emotionally from them so that they don't see my vulnerability. And yes, that does take a decision, but it is well worth your while because if you want to grow, if you want to spread your wings, they will not be the ones to help you do that. You need to be loyal to someone who will look at your dreams and say, you go get them. You live your trader's life. You can do this and to encourage you so that you can also do the same for them. That's why you become an average of your five closest friends. Everybody drives everybody on in one of those types of friendship groups so that the circle that you're associating with leads you to freedom not to a caged version of your current life. So do that. Examine your friendships. See who's worth being loyal to. See who is your encourager and your unreasonable friend. Do that and you will live the trader's life. And now it's time for a little trading with Chris Tate. This segment is ideal for the time-pressured trader with the short attention span. And the question for today is... CT, are some personality types more likely to be effective traders? Uh, Yeah, being a bloke uh, is problematic because we're all a bit stupid. And it's, it's as I posted the other day. If we, if we take cricket as the example, the first groin guard appeared in the 1870s. The first helmet appeared 100 years later. So it gives you some idea of what blokes regard as important for thinking. And unfortunately, in trading, for many blokes, little head does all the thinking. Big head does very little thinking. People who are gregarious, outgoing, require social contact, yada, 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 all those things I find irritating, tend to not do as well because they lack that contact with others, that they require input from others. People who do well are those who are comfortable with their own decision-making. There's no need for justification. There's no need for... Uh, that buoyancy you get from others confirming your decision. You just make your decision and move on. And so whilst there's not a definitive personality type, there are definitive traits. To be a successful trader, you you need to be independent. You need to be self-reliant. You need to be able to find things yourself. One of the things that irritates me immensely is when people email me or message me and go, how do I find this? Well, use freaking Google and get off your ass and find it. It's really quite simple because that's what I did. And I didn't use Google because Google didn't exist. You went down to the state library if you wanted data and found it there. So you need this sense of independence, this, this desire to do things yourself. But you also need to explore. And that exploration needs to have a sense of fun about it. 
without that sense of fun, trading becomes far too serious. And as the old Wall Street adage goes, scared money never wins. Hello, I'm Darrell Guppy. I'm the inventor of the Guppy Multiple Moving Average, and I listen to Talking Trading. It gives me some edges in the current market. Brett Warren is a real estate buyer's agent in Brisbane for Metropole Property Solutions, and Brett has over 12 years' experience in the real estate markets. Whilst having studied economics, Brett is not a theorist. He's also a successful property investor himself. And he's passionate about advising people for their portfolios. Mr. Warren, hello and welcome to Talking Trading. Hey, Carolyn, how are you? Good. Tell us, how is Brizzy doing after the Royal Commission? Yeah, look, um, there's a lot happening at the moment, isn't it? There's a lot of um, noise this year that's happening with the Royal Commission and things like that. I think, thankfully, um, the, the Royal Commission really didn't affect the way banks are going to be lending or anything like that. I think the screws have been fairly tight for a while, so... The implications, the implications coming out of that won't affect lending too much. Uh, I know that the poor old mortgage broker's got a whack, which I thought it was a Royal Commission into the banks, but anyway, that was uh, something. Um, so, look, it's, 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 it hasn't changed too much. The Royal Commission hasn't had really an effect at all with Brisbane at the moment. Okay, so let's just get the lay of the land with Queensland and Brisbane. What's been the growth of the Queensland property over the past few years? And what's the projected growth in the medium to long term in Queensland? Sure. Look, there's some good articles released recently. You know, the, the, the market hasn't performed strongly over the last decade. We've had the GFC, we've had floods, the mining downturn. So there's been a, a dramatic drop off for employment and also people moving to the Sunshine State. But that's all started to turn around. There's some really, really good things happening. I know in the last couple of years, Brisbane's probably only, Brisbane house prices and Queensland house prices have probably only grown 2 or 3%. But there's still some suburbs within that location that have actually achieved double-digit growth, uh, which is which is huge. And then I think over the medium to longer term, I think we'll have a much better decade. Uh, there's some big projects happening and a lot of our employment hubs are rapidly expanding. So there's 12 football fields of development happening in the CBD. We're getting a second airport, the second airport runway, which is huge as well. And that whole area is expanding and also our hospitals, our three or four biggest hospitals are also expanding too. So a lot's happening in and around Brisbane. And I think the, deca- uh, the next decade is looking really positive. Give us the medium price range for a unit and a house in Brisbane at the moment. What are we looking at? Sure. The average unit price is probably around that 300 to 350 mark, um, depending bedroom. on where you are. Yeah, two bedroom. Absolutely. Um, and for a house in Brisbane at the moment, look, in the better areas, it's probably 550 to 600, but I think you can still get in there for, for between 5 and 550. And the median price is probably around 520. You know, I'm a Sydney cider, and hearing those statistics makes my mouth <laughs> water. How- we, yeah, we often get a lot of investors uh, make the same comment uh, about that. We're still getting good properties in good locations for a reasonable price. How does the Sydney and Melbourne price market affect Brisbane at the moment? What's the overflow with things being too expensive down south? Yeah, good question. Um, it's affecting a number of things. A, a lot of it is um, the downsizers, uh, funnily enough. Um, they're kind of attracted to the seaside places like the, the Gold Coast and the Sunshine Coast, and who wouldn't want to retire there, right? They're selling up their big 2 or $3 million homes, and as I said, they can still get a relatively affordable place. And also the people that have affordability issues, um, you know, that, that, that may not be able to get into the good areas and locations for their children and things like that. 
they're making the trek north and the missing ingredients being the jobs, which, as I said before, is now starting to appear. So that's that's been fairly positive as well and, and people are starting to, to move to Brisbane. And the infrastructure boom that's happening in Brisbane, is that partly to do with people are priced out of the southern markets and the government wants to make Brisbane more of a hub? Yeah, look, it certainly is. I think, um, to its credit, all the governments and the councils in Brisbane have actually been quite proactive uh, you know, we've, we've always built a number of tunnels ahead of their time, probably before they're due, but it's it's been quite proactive and taken a lot of uh, cars off the, the main roads and things like that. And, and now we're getting a lot more infrastructure and public transport spending. So I think they're starting to realise that people don't really want to live miles and miles out anymore with a big house and land. They're trading those big backyards for balconies and lifestyles, and, and, and we're taking advantage of that. Okay, yes, the Sunshine Coast is one of my favourite places in the world, I have to say. <laughs> you guys do have a good up there. So tell yeah. us, the federal election's coming up and there's a lot of hype in the media about Bill Shorten and if he comes into power, what effect do you think this will have on property prices if he does abolish yeah. negative gearing? Yeah, look, I, uh, I'm going on the record finally to say that I don't think he'll do it. I think, uh, that, look, the time that he brought that up was when Sydney and Melbourne house prices were probably going a bit crazy um, and it was probably a thought bubble to, to, to win votes. I think the fact now that they're recovering, the market's corrected, it doesn't need in, uh, you know, the, the government interfering in those kinds of things. So I don't think he'll do it. Look, if he does do it, look, it, it may put a bit of a dampener, a bit of a change of things for, for a short period of time. But property investing, like everything, should be a long-term game. I think looking back in 10 or 15 years, it's not even going to rate a mention in that period of time anyway. So... Um, it did happen in the 90s as well, and things prices went up. Slightly different environment then, but I don't see it being a significant issue enough to worry about in the short term anyway. Have you lived in Brisbane all your life? I'm actually from Perth originally. I've lived in Brisbane for 15 or 16 years now. Right. So you're a local yep. boy, really? Absolutely. I've got a Brisbane Broncos membership, so that, that classes me as a local now. <laughs> <laughs> what does it take to be a successful property investor? What skills, what mindset do you see in the really successful investors that you must come across all the time? Yeah, absolutely. We we're, were talking the other day, there's, there's almost like an obsession and a passion with, uh, with the top performing, you know, top property investors and, and the way they, they look at things. They also have a big picture approach. So, as we spoke about before, there's probably four or five reasons this year you shouldn't invest. There's the Royal Commission, there's Bill Shorten, there's the election, there's who knows, you can probably name another 10 things. But at the end of the day, they've got the ability to look past that. And, and one, of the, one of the best uh, examples of that is Michael Yardney, who I, is one of my mentors. And he always talks about the best, uh, best, best year he had in real estate was actually when he put his earplugs in and kept investing while others were scared off, and, and 10 or 15 years later, it made a considerable difference. The boom in Brisbane, how long is it going to be? How far away? I don't think Brisbane will boom. I think this time of the cycle, I think we'll still get another 18 to 24 months of good growth, um, and then the cycle will end. I think we're about 10 or 11 o'clock. I think the next boom in Brisbane will be the next time around. I can't help but think we'll have some kind of, uh, you know, maybe an economic crash or a, a tighten of, tightening of lending that'll, that'll stop credit for a good six or 12 months where uh, Brisbane won't go down a lot. It'll just basically trade sideways. But then I think that pent-up demand will really increase. But having said that, that may not occur. And I know there's a, a tip of a couple of rate decreases towards the end of the year, and that could be a a spur that could uh, could kick Brisbane higher and higher as well. When you say next time around, you mean next property cycle around? 
Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think maybe within uh, you know the next three or four years, once once we trend sideways for a little bit and things get moving again, I think Brisbane will be next cab off the rank because we're creating those jobs. People are moving to Brisbane finally, so that pent up demand. I think the way credit's gone at the moment, it's very difficult to borrow, but there's still that demand there. So. It just needs something to trigger that that off, I guess. Brett, how can people start investing in property? Absolutely. There's a lot of uh, analysis paralysis, I think they call it, uh, Carolyn, don't they? <laughs> uh, look, the best thing to do is actually uh, one thing I didn't do as a 22-year-old 20, man, um, like all 22-year-old men, probably think they know everything. Um, so I actually went and did it myself, my first couple of steps. And look, it didn't cost me hundreds of thousands, but it did cost me and it cost me in time as well. I think the best thing to do is find a mentor or find a property professional that can actually be your eyes and ears. It's, it's almost like learning to drive. You know, you, you wouldn't just go out and start driving. You'd, you'd actually have an instructor that would be able to help you. So uh, getting a mentor and having someone that can help you along, you can learn from their mistakes and actually fast track your process as well. And are you that mentor? Absolutely. Look, I'd like to think so. You know, I've been investing for 20 years. I've learned from one of the best in Australia in Michael Yardney. Um, well, we've helped more property investors create wealth than anyone, and that's really what it's about. So, uh, yeah, look, absolutely. I think the team at Metropole definitely are, are the people to help with that as well. I just want to ask an investing question, a general one. The way you do one thing is the way you do everything, and this applies to investing across the board, trading, property. What are your thoughts yep. on that? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, you know, I think uh, a good example is something my mother always told me about, a messy bed or something like that. <laughs> I'm sure everyone's heard that one before, but a lot of successful people do make their bed in the morning. It's part of their routine. Their desks are often, you know, tidied at the end of the day and, and uh, their approach to life and, and the big picture things are exactly the same for the, the small and, you know, inferior things. And what's your big picture, Brett? What's on the horizon in your property landscape? Yeah, look, um, obviously diversifying my portfolio, probably some more developments. I really enjoyed that kind of thing. But also, more importantly for me, I mean, those kind of things come. It's really just helping people and, and helping our clients, particularly over the next four or five years as we, as we expand our business and, and add different um, departments to our business with renovations and developments. I really enjoy that side of things. So where can people find out more about Metropole Brisbane and you, Brett? Yeah, look, I'm always on Facebook uh, giving my words of wisdom and, and articles and things like that. You can follow me there or you can follow up on our website, which is metropole.com.au um, or just call 1300 Metropole and uh, you can actually have a free consultation with a property strategist in your location and, and that can get you on the right track. Brett, thanks for your time. Great, Carolyn. Thanks so much for your time. And that's it for this episode of Talking Trading. Thanks to Caroline Stephen for being our insightful, intuitive and warm host of the show. Thanks also to Chris Tate for being a superb business partner. I'm Louise Bedford and my email address is louise at tradinggame.com.au. As always, if you like this show, please be sure to tell a friend. This is super important because word of mouth is the most powerful way that people get in touch with us and people respond best to people that they know and care about. You can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcast and make sure you give us a big fat five-star review because it really helps other people find us. You'll also notice that we don't use sponsors very often and barely ever advertise. That's because we fund this. Chris Tate and I from tradinggame.com.au, we fund this show. So for us to keep on funding it, 
We need to get the word out to more people, and you're a big part of this. So make sure you tell people and give us fantastic reviews on Apple Podcast. If you'd like to get my Trading Made Simple five-part e-course, make sure you register on tradinggame.com.au. So until next week, happy trading. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regards to your own situation.